We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Play action fake as Flacco drifts right, throws, and he's got Cooper Rodman. He caught it. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. I don't believe it. Third down at 15. He's got the snap. He's also got pressure. He's throwing, and Joku caught it, and he's got a first down. He's to the 35, 30, 25. He's down. Hello, what's happening, everybody? Welcome in to the OBR Film Breakdown. Your host, Jake Burns, here with Andrew Spade, as usual. And we are going to go through the What We Learned portion of the Monday podcast. Uh, if you have not noticed the content change that we have uh, kind of heaped out there over the last two days, Andrew and I are going to do, as often as we can, primetime games are going to be a little bit different. But we're going to try to do an immediate reaction show from like a, a borderline emotional standpoint of having watched the TV broadcast and just sort of taking your thoughts immediately from what you consumed in the game into a podcast. So that's going to be uh, up and available for you right away. And then you're going to get a Twitch replay on Monday morning uh, with the uh, fit check in there, as I know a lot of you like that as well. And then we're going to try to release this one on Monday afternoon slash evening, which is the what we learned portion. And then you will get for your Tuesday a, a data comprehensive breakdown. Uh, as you're normally accustomed to. So just more content for your pleasure, right? That's what we're going to try to do. And the Browns pull off a 2017, I wouldn't call it a miracle, but boy, was it against the odds uh, that they were able to come back. And even as you watch it, and I know Andrew and I consumed as much all 22 as we could this uh, this Monday morning, uh, we, we you know try to look at how desperate the offense was at times and how bleak it looked for a large portion of it. And for them to really turn it on, the defense turned it on earlier, right? They turned it on, I think really turned it on after that field goal. Nine of 10 Bears possessions resulted in a punt or an interception. But the Browns offense finally figured it out in the fourth quarter to make uh, a comeback that uh, is, again, we, we're probably saying this too much, Andrew, but it's one of those things where, you know, you even take out the the weird 
result of the dropped Hail Mary, right? But this is a game the Browns have been on the other side of for so long, right? Where they jump out to a lead and against all odds in the fourth quarter, they give it away. We've said that so many times. They're on the opposite end of that Brownsian feel type thing here where they're doing the inverse this year, which is so which is so neat to see. So they get this comeback win and on top of the comeback win to go to nine and five and really put themselves. I know we didn't say much about the need to win this game. It was not going to move the needle too far one way or the other. But having looked at it and looking at the remaining schedule for these teams they're competing against, Andrew, I feel I feel pretty damn good that they got that win because there are some teams that are going to really be pushing them. You know what I mean? Yeah, they needed it. And I mean, I guess they didn't need it technically, but it's better to have this one. I think the situation, if they lose that game with the Texans pulling off that improbable win against the Titans with Case Keenum at quarterback, you really would feel like you're in a must win situation going to Houston, which is not, you don't want this team going on the road feeling like they have to win, honestly, yeah. because yeah, we know that we know the splits by this point in the season. Playoff picture wise, I also think it's at the point now where you get a, you get a feel of the the AFC South champ is going to be the four seed. It looks increasingly likely that game is winnable for the Browns. I we know as I just referred to the road home splits, but they just beat the Jaguars. They beat the Colts in Indianapolis earlier this season. I think they're going to be very evenly matched with Houston. So any of those three teams winning the AFC South and being the the four seed you like your chances in that game. Yeah. And for the Browns to win a playoff game in, in this season, we know that it's all kind of gravy at this point because of the injuries and where it's put this team. But I will continue to say that building the culture that they want to build, where the winning is the expectation week in, week out, it has paid dividends within this season and going into the playoffs and doing something like that would pay dividends going into next season. So it's not that it would be a failure if they didn't do it, but it's cool to think about what they could accomplish in that sort of a situation. So the if they can manage to hold on to the five seed here, which they have a one-game lead on everybody else who's in the running for it, if they can hold on to that, then that it puts them in really a, a good spot to have a chance to win a playoff game. Um, I've, I know that I have talked while well, we're on the subject of playoffs. I have talked about the path to the one seed that got narrower with the Ravens, not struggling with Jacksonville and the jets getting blown out by the dolphins. So you need two losses from each of those teams. And that, that feels increasingly difficult because they do play each other. So they're, one of them is guaranteed to win. So the, you know, they have to win the two other games or lose the other two other games. So the Ravens really have to lose against the 49ers and then lose against the Dolphins because they've got the Steelers, the, the corpse of the Pittsburgh Steelers coming to town. On, Just degrading uh, every week at this point. Right. Yeah, the, the, the rotting corpse of the Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers. So so they they have to lose their next two games. And it, the path is, is very thin to the Browns getting the potential one seed, which also includes the Browns winning out. We knew it was always unlikely, but it was fun to think about. But now you really kind of have circled the five seed as – a little bit of a sweet spot because of the AFC South chaos and all of those teams, honestly, not playing their best football. I think the Colts were impressive against the Steelers, but I don't know, man. I, none of those teams scare you, I guess is my point. It's wild that all three of them are eight and six, that that, that race is going to go down to the to the wire. Obviously, you don't like the Houston one because now they're, you know, 
pushing, uh, seeing the finish line right in front of them, right? It's going to be a big game. Both teams really need it. Uh, it's fun to entertain. Like, in the, here's where I'm at with it, Andrew. In the back of my mind, I understand the challenges the Browns are up against, and I just want them to get in the playoffs, right? The second level of getting greedy is I just want them to be the five seed because there's a winnable game there. And at the ultimate level of greedy is that I'm looking at the Ravens and I'm like, they play the 49ers and the Dolphins, both of which are very losable games. And the one seed is hanging there and like not the one seed, but the winning the division for the first time since 1989 is still there. It is so annoying what the Jaguars did last night. I could not be more annoyed with how they performed. And it just remains a big bummer that the Rams game tilted the way that that game tilted at the very end. But there's still hope. It's still there in front of you. You can get to the top of the division still. And the Browns are talking about that internally. They're still alive for the North. They're playing for that. That's why that game we just saw matters. Yeah, it may not have swayed anything from a, um, you know, a wide range of your playoff possibility, but you have to win every game from here on out to get that division title. And it's not something you, you know, oh, the Browns won it five years ago. No, they haven't won it in 30 years. So winning one of those would be unbelievable. So there's still the three levels of greedy we can get here, right? So I think that that's what we should be looking at. On the good side of this game, obviously the win is fantastic, but Kevin Stefanski's, everybody enters these Monday press conferences with like your hands up in defense. You're kind of squinting your eyes, waiting to hear about the injuries. And we heard something we haven't heard for a while, Andrew, which is they don't really have any major injury updates. Um, and Kevin kind of said it in a joking way, which was kind of funny to me. He said, you know, I don't really have any major injury update guys. So everybody's basically day to day there. So he realizes it's been rough on that front, right? Uh, he recognizes it. And, um, obviously there could be some people, you'll see some people on the injury report that they could have some, you know, a thigh or a a shoulder or something pop up. But what he's saying is there's nothing major that's going to hold anybody currently in out of the lineup, right? So um, <clears throat> for the first time in a while, we get that sort of update, which is which is really encouraging, Andrew. So you feel good about the injury situation. There's a chance you could get somebody like Thornhill back this week, although Ronnie Hickman playing some ball, we'll talk about that. But you could get back the postage and Thornhill, and I know Anthony Walker didn't play in this game. So there's right. some, some guys who will have a chance. Maybe you get an uptick in the snaps for Denzel Ward, right, coming out of this game healthy. That's a great sign because he covered – DJ Moore about as well as you can cover that guy. That's the exact type of receiver he covers well. Had Tank Dell been able to go this weekend, I know he's done for the year, but that's the type of guy Denzel matches up really well with. So uh, Denzel will still have a, a healthy challenge. They'll figure out something for him to do to lock up one portion of the field. But uh, I certainly think it's uh, it's notable and really a very welcome sight to see them come out of the game without any major injury updates and a chance to get some guys back. So we're going to jump into what we learned and, you know, we try to list these out and talk about them ahead of time. The first one we, we uh, settled on, and, and Andrew, you kind of drove the bus on this one, is that they survived a bad Flacco game. Yeah. And um, so I'll let you elaborate on that, and then we'll talk about how Joe performed. Yeah, like, I do not want to be throwing dirt on Joe Flacco after what he did in the fourth quarter, because that is obviously what matters, and they won the game. But when you watch it, he was v- – not good in the first half beyond the turnover worthy plays. I think there was, there was a few other examples where he wasn't seeing it very well. I think, I think he was unsettled by the rush the bears were getting. And that's, you know what? Totally understandable. That bears front is for real Montez sweat. That looks like a great trade for them. 
and uh, the Browns offensive line and pass protection is struggling. So it, you get it that he's maybe locking on receivers a little bit, trying to find an answer quickly, not reading things out as much. But I think we wondered, Jake, with Flacco, how much inconsistency you're going to see, when it's going to show up. I think it really showed up yesterday, and the Browns still won, which feels really lucky because I don't think he'll be that bad every week. Through the you know how he was in the first quarter is not the quarterback he is. Obviously, we saw what he did in the fourth quarter, so he wasn't even that quarterback for the entire game. But when he goes through those stretches where he's turning the ball over in really difficult positions, that that throw that was intended for Najoku that ends up being picked off on a great play by the cornerback, I think Stevenson for the Bears. Mm-hmm. It's very frustrating to watch because you just got to give it to him. He's he's wide open from the snap. You just got to put it up there and. It's the same sort of a play. It's a, it's actually an easier play than the than the play that he makes to Najoku in the fourth quarter on that third and 15. Mm-hmm. So it just felt like he was seeing things a little slowly in the first half. It's a weather game. The Bears defense is intimidating as hell. And they were, they were on everything. They were not really backing up in coverage. So you understand why. But I guess my point is we wondered if we were going to see some inconsistency from Flacco, some dips. This was a dip, and they still survived it, which is great, partially because of what Joe did in the fourth quarter, but it's just cool that you can get a – I think what – if you look at the game as a whole, is considered a bad game from the quarterback, but you still survive it. That's a good sign for where this team is at right now. Yeah, I mean, through three quarters, he's 17 of 31 for 162 and three interceptions. He, you know, He had a touchdown mixed in there, but uh, he did not – exactly thrive so it's not to, to take away the fourth quarter from joe where he was 11 of 13 for 212 and a touchdown and just i think he had three of his big time throws in the third, third quarter alone i know that pro football focus would not have graded him with a turnover worthy play on the tillman ball because they're too smart for that um but he did have another one that i i believe uh, was dropped by jalen johnson right so like there there were some plays he got In his favor, too. There's also the TJ Edwards ball over the middle that went through Edwards' hands Mm -hmm. and into Tillman's uh, stomach. So he obviously, we try to keep it, you know, we're not going to come in here and just just a Joe Flacco hero story. He he was a very key part of the, the points that the Bears put on the board. You know, you can take the first one away. I do. You take the first one away, but he still directly took off the Njoku touchdown ball where he threw it, how he threw it. Right. He's responsible for the interception, pick six interception. And those are plays that led to Bears points. And, you know, when you're struggling the way he was struggling, you do you do look at it ultimately with a gigantic pat on the back for Joe. And he he had a great quote, Andrew, after the game about how, you know, when those moments happen, you almost want to just crawl into a hole. Right. And like uh, just hide and and, and get away from the scrutiny because the crowd was getting a little antsy at that point, right? Especially after that, you get a huge break. You get this this punt return muff, you recover it, and then you throw an interception the next play. And it's like, I've thrown three of these things through three quarters. We can't score. But then he said, I've been through too much, man. I've seen too much. I've done too much in this NFL career. And I'm telling you right now, I firmly stand on this belief that he's the only backup quarterback in the league that could have put forth those three quarters Mm-hmm. And then put forth that fourth quarter on top yeah. of it, as far as him burying himself and then coming out of it. So they did survive a Flacco game at the same time as they saw what Joe Flacco is is exactly. able to do. Right. right? He, he is the perfect quarterback for the twenty twenty three Browns. 
it's crazy to say that, but he is because of the resilience that he shows. His mindset of how he gets to a place of getting them in position to win this game is exactly what Kevin Stefanski is preaching to the rest of the team. Yeah. Was preaching to the rest of the team before Joe was even a member of the team. And it's crazy how it's dovetailed where they feel totally complimentary, even as Flacco is still, for all intents and purposes, an outsider on this team, right? He doesn't know these guys that well. So the fact that his men, his mindset, his mentality is the same as the one that Kevin Stefanski is preaching. It goes back to the conversation we've had a few times that it feels like a match made in heaven to, to even just have the attitude of going out and throwing for that many yards in the fourth quarter in a win or eighty-seven, And I was like, Oh my God, like what's going on right now? This guy is, these are some yards, man. No, I think you have to, you'd have to talk about too. This team is going to probably be fighting more uphill. We're down on the scoreboard battles than we want them to. And if they have a belief from doing it with Joe that we can come back the way we've seen them do here, those moments build and they're the contagious builds, right? You hear Njoku talking after the game, the belief is there, right? So, and it's kind of cool too. I, I, I can't remember. I don't know his name on Twitter. He's at like, be like Mike. He's a great follow. I'm sorry, man. I don't know your name because you don't broadcast your name on social, but we have a lot of back and forth. I know Andrew, you've talked to him occasionally too, but he said, something that I thought was really true, which is the Browns have had four quarterbacks give them unique moments and wins this year, right? They've all contributed to something. Whereas you look at a lot of the teams that have had other four quarterbacks starting for them. It's not always the case. Like Deshaun's, you know, had moments and starts where he, you know, began the game and won the game, Titans, Cardinals, whatever, but the, the, the Ravens game, big moment, huge second half, right? PJ Walker, that final Colts drive, that ball he throws in the cover two hole on like third yep. and 12 mm-hmm. when they're back up against their own end zone to Elijah Moore. Huge, right? Gets them down the field, gets them in position to win. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, the Pittsburgh game, large stretches of ugly, but that final drive he put together to give them a chance to kick a field goal to win. And now we've seen Joe do this himself. It's it's kind of uniquely cool. Not great quarterback play this year, guys. I'm not telling you a secret there, but each quarterback has delivered in some moments that have drove this bus to, to, to nine and five. And that's, that's pretty cool, man. It's very cool. And it is, it's another great opportunity to remind everybody that there's not a lot of great quarterback play in the NFL this year. Bingo. We just saw Dak get humiliated in Buffalo. You're talking about a year where Brock Purdy can win. Probably will. It's on track to. It's a, this is another thing. I know we didn't you know prepare to talk about this, but the coach of the year discussion, I just want to say this, Mm -hmm. this is the weirdest NFL season I can think of Mm -hmm. offhand. And maybe mm-hmm. we say that every year, but I don't think we do. No, no, no. This has been, yeah. This has different. been weird. There are like five legitimately good coach of the year candidates out there. So you don't have to get offended every time somebody prefers a different candidate. Do I think Kevin should win it? Unless it's Zach Taylor. Yeah, that that's yeah, that's goofy. That's goofy. That's trolling. The offense the Bengals offensive line has missed 12 snaps across the entire five drives. Right. It's yeah. ridiculous. But yeah. And they're not going to make the playoffs. No, I'm not going to go there. I'm not saying that. The odds are against them, but I've buried too many AFC North teams too early. And I'm real hesitant. They could go to Kansas City, the the way Kansas City played. No, I, I, yeah, you're uh, right. It's, it's, it's premature. I shouldn't, I shouldn't go. The odds are against them. And I, I like Zach Taylor. I like him, but he's not done the same things here. And uh, I think. But what, the general point is D'Amico Ryan's and Steichen and, and like, you know, um, there's just been a, there's a lot of even the guys who have 
uh, Harbaugh. His team is winning. I get it, right. but those guys deserve credit. Dan Campbell, like it's not to say mm-hmm. you can. It's the old discussion. You can give credit to another coach while also saying I still prefer Kevin. It's not like someone's trying to humiliate the Browns. And there is a good amount of national recognition going on here for what Kevin's been able to pull off with this group and these guys in general. So that's happening. I just want to reiterate, like, yeah. just because somebody prefers D'Amico Ryans, who's doing a fantastic job, and that I, I would imagine this is like elimination game for these two guys this weekend, whoever gets their guys to play well and win point. probably gets a little leg up in that battle, but just wanted to just wanted to sort of say that. All right, let's hit on two more things or actually let's do an offensive piece of uh, banter next, which is the run game. It's broken. <laughs> we know it's broken. We're all watching the same thing. I even think that the people who are telling Kevin to run the ball have stopped saying it because they know how broken it is. Right. So uh, they, in this game end up running for like 30. Uh, so if you go forward eight for 20, Kareem seven for eight, Pierre strong two for two. You know, it's uh, it's a really rough performance. You're talking about 17 carries for 30 yards. It's 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 bad. It's really bad. And so a lot of negative plays too, Jake, like getting into second and third and short and thinking you can take a shot because we can come back and do this Mm -hmm. and then failing because they're going in the wrong direction. Right. Those are those are crucial. Yeah. And I think there's there's a lot of different components. Obviously, the Betonio thing. We didn't mention his name in the injury piece, but but him. That's you know, having that crop up pregame and then not being able to go is is a big change. He's 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 their best offensive lineman. I, I don't think I need to remind people of that. Yeah. And and also the the you know, he's a veteran, he's savvy, so he knows kind of where to be, how to the angles to take, all these sorts of things that will help you get a yard or two here or there, and it it hurt them. So even as as Michael Dunn did okay in, in replacing him, that still hurts. Four of the five original offensive linemen being out, it's it's comical where they're at with injuries on the offensive line. Having said that, there's still some stuff schematically, I think, in just the one-on-one matchups. That it, it's the thing that came up a lot last year, I think, and I remember watching your your talk talks where it would it wasn't always one thing. It was something else. It was something different on every play is the way to say it, right? Sometimes it's the back finding the wrong hole. Sometimes it's Nick Harris getting turned inside out by a defensive tackle. There's something different often. It's not one specific flaw. Sometimes it's the the calls are just bad, to be honest. Some of the some of the uh wildcat stuff that they were doing where they're it's it's to Kareem Hunt in a obvious run situation. I man, I hate that. <laughs> They're searching. I think they're searching, but they're not searching hard enough. I would be experimenting. I think the defense is doing some of this with alignment and uh, how they go about things. If I were the Browns in these last three weeks, if we're seeing the status quo is what they just performed, I would be doing a whole bunch of funky stuff to figure out what we can do to get some yards rushing because you are not going to be able to just line up as is and run outside zone, right? Without any eye candy, no, no motion, no nothing, just run it. You're not going to be able to get the, you know, step up to the line of scrimmage and run pin pull stuff very successfully from shotgun. They're just not. So they need to start doing like more, you know, whatever, like traps or crunch where you're running multiple traps at the line of scrimmage, more draw plays, more same side power counter. They need to be doing funky things in the run game. Like go watch how the bills. It's kind of scary to say use James Cook in their in their shotgun run game last night. And I know the Browns don't have a James Cook, but like 
they're getting very creative Mm -hmm. and I'll give the Browns credit. What's ironic is I I obviously wrote on it, but the Browns were super creative in the play action off of the shotgun run game. So, you know, my thing is, can you find some ways they have to long story short here? I don't have those answers. I don't know what they should do. I think they could look around the league for what some teams are doing to find some success, but they cannot live in a world where Flacco's throwing 44 times and they're running 17 for 30. That's a terrible formula. It's going to catch up to them at some point. So they need to find the 75 to 125 rushing yards a game. And they, they're they not finding those lately. And it's making everything kind of get heaped on the shoulders of Flacco. And when that happens, Andrew, you throw 20 extra times maybe than you should in a game, you're going to have two or three of those Flacco throws. So... I, again, I'm asking them to do some things. They're smart. They do this for a living. They know the inside outs of so many run designs I, I can't even think of. I'm asking them to get creative here because right now, running pistol is not the creativity that's going to yield you much success, man, or, or uh, wildcat stuff here. Yeah, They need to get funky with how they're blocking things and, and just start thinking outside the box because the traditional things that you have done when you've had five really good offensive linemen are not available to you yeah, anymore. You, you can't line it up and expect to dominate. So you have to do it through scheme. You have to do it through deception, surprise. Getting Dorian Thompson Robinson involved more would be another way to change the numbers. It makes sense to me. It's available to them. Uh, I know you don't want to go to that well too often, but once a drive, twice every other drive, you could you could pepper that in. I think even got to be eye deception. You got to pull right. li- pull line in different direction than you're actually running it, right? Or if you run if you run pin pull and the back crosses the quarterback's face every time, Andrew, how about just having the quarterback step forward and then pitch it to him right. as a means to make it a different mm-hmm. side of the play this is going? Like, right, that's what the Rams do, right? Yeah, just do yeah. some different things that beat the tendencies. Right now, I mm-hmm. just feel like they're being, I don't know if they're being nostalgic in terms of, ah, we can still do this the way we've done it, right? Or, or it what? It feels a little stubborn. It, they need to understand the battle they're fighting here because if they keep ignoring it you're not going to get these i mean i feel like we've said this four or five times this year but like it's eventually going to catch up it's just going to they have to run better. i I mean yesterday was the day jake they they got away with it because of that incredible performance down the stretch through the pass game but that was the day where you had nothing uh, that third quarter is I was 12 plays for 10 yards. Yeah. And it's not even that I was upset about it. I wasn't emotional about watching it, but I just, I'm watching with my dad and I just said to him, they're going to get, they're going to run for either no gain or a minimal loss on first down. And then they're going to go drop back, drop back. And the, the, the drive is almost over before it starts because of there's the predictability plus the lack of talent to execute the predictable. You you can do Predictable stuff if you've got better players. And right now yeah. the Browns don't because of the injury yeah. situation. So you have to you have to beat other teams through deception. And I'll say one other thing. I know I'm barking up a, a tree here with this, and I know it's not going to get rewarded. I'll just say again, I would like to see a different back. They've got John Kelly on the practice squad. There are other guys just around the league. I, I don't see the harm in trying somebody else out here. I, it's not that I want them to get rid of any of these guys that they've got. They all play a role. I'm fine with that. There's room on this team for a fourth running back, and I don't understand why they're not willing to take a look at somebody else that could maybe just give teams a different approach down the stretch because the three guys that they've got 
none of them are able to get north-south quickly with violence. That used to be what Kareem Hunt could do. He can still get you three yards. He's the Leroy Horde joke from the 80s, right? If you need two yards, he'll get you three. If you need five yards, he's going to get you three. That's Kareem Hunt now. So accept that. Ford is more of a, I I mean, the the pass catching stuff's been neat. I'll say that. And then they continue to not use Pierre Strong. I think there's room for one more player here that could make a difference. I do too. I just, uh, yeah, I think as you know, and you're not saying, I just wouldn't get your hopes up. It feels like they're going in that direction, you know? Part part of what's frustrating, Jake, is just you see other teams do this stuff, right? The, The Colts had to find a way to replace Jonathan Taylor recently. Zach Moss isn't doing it. So they've got Trey Sermon now breaking runs for them against the Steelers like other teams and the Browns have done a great job of integrating personnel in some areas I think sometimes on offense they are slow to bring in new players yeah we've talked about this with Jordan Aikens this year and his minimal role I know it's not going to happen but I I just think it's worth mentioning because it is it is a way to solve this problem I think not a single player in the backfield has clenched a role. None, none of them exactly. deserve That's the, way to the, say the role, right? I, I would agree with that. Um, all right, so switching to defense, I think we have to highlight, again, they allow 236 yards, 4 of 18 on third down. They don't really necessarily create a turnover. I mean, the two Hail Marys are kind of shrug your shoulders, one of which should have been caught. Um, the other which wasn't a pick. Would have been yeah that Moya. I just can't even get to the. My brain didn't even process that 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 Hail Mary being caught. So I can't even go through how I would have felt had that been the outcome. But yeah, the other one was a muff punt. So they didn't create any turnovers, but they dominated. Man, they dominated uh, just about as well as you could hope for a team again that's fighting the uphill battle of an offense through three quarters. That was sort of a dead man walking version. So I mean, what you have to do is highlight the guys who stepped in Andrew. And I think you have to talk about Ronnie Hickman who played center field post safety as well as anybody has for the Browns this season. He was reading crossing routes, cutting things down, stepping up, tackling when he needed to. I mean, I thought it was a really special performance. If you tack on five tackles to the coverage, you get 35 D Anthony bell snaps. Again, Hickman played 68 snaps. So, that's special. Uh, you get 35 DeAnthony Bell snaps. I thought he played well, had four tackles on his own, couple stop tackles, those plays that constitute a failure for the offense. And then you get, um, you know, a, 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 not a start from him, but coming into the game and being out there and playing Deron Harmon, I thought in 37 snaps was pretty good. And I thought Cam Mitchell, I'm very excited about where Cam Mitchell is going as, as a yeah, Cleveland Brown. Absolutely. That fourth down play he made, fourth and one to get a piece of field's feet, redirect, get through the block, get outside and get the feet of the most dynamic rushing quarterback we have in the NFL this year, right there with Lamar Jackson. I thought that was a really, really special play. So uh, I think that what I will say is, you know, you can't say that this defense would be the same if they lost Emerson, JOK and, and like miles. Right. But the, the ability to take, the parts that just um, they're important, but they're not the vital parts, but to take those pieces and be able to plug those guys in and have on your one to 53, you know, I don't know what they have 28 defensive players to have everybody in the practice squad too, ready to go, ready to step in, ready to participate. I mean, I mean, you got contributions. I know Siaki and, and Isaiah McGuire didn't play all too well, but they're, they're rookies. 
and they're mm-hmm. trying to find the field. They haven't found the field consistently this year. This was this was Ika's debut. Yep. But I mean, I don't know, Andrew. I just am impressed. And and, and we gave a lot of credit last week to, um, you know what what's going on in Minnesota, right? Yes. Um, you know, so I I think that we have been very much giving credit to Jim Schwartz and the defense all year. But I just want to reiterate the ability to plug and play guys in that nature, the way we saw in this game was special and like that stuff is big time man yeah and i the players deserve a ton of credit right because to be to be an undrafted free agent be in this position you know stefanski says these guys aren't rookies now right because they've been in the seat they've been in the in the program for eight months at this point they they know the job they're not new to this but it's different knowing it as a backup and a guy that plays special teams maybe he's out there for 12 snaps a game occasionally comes in somebody oh somebody you know uh, their their cleat game untied. I'm going to come in and play a snap. It's different from that, and like you said, playing the full game, Ronnie Hickman style. It's it's a different challenge, and they were up to it. It's a testament to the players. I think it's also a testament to the coaching staff. And this is not to toot our horns necessarily or my horn, but we talked in in a lot of the post game shows last year, Jake, about what the the change they needed on the defensive coaching staff. And it wasn't just the scheme that Joe Woods ran. It was guys not seeming to know where to be Yep, in the third year of having the same coaches. And they didn't fire everybody, but Chris Kiffin, who is the defensive line coach, is not here anymore. And the defensive line has been, they added talent, but the guys that Alex Wright is a great example, but also Mo Hurst, et cetera, guys that have been, around the league or our young players have been stepping in. They got rid of Jeff Howard. They they made it so Brandon Lynch, who was in here as an assistant DB's coach last year as the cornerbacks coach, they hired Ephraim Banda, who is at Utah Utah State. And the defensive backs have been night and day from last year in terms of knowing where to be, how to read coverage pre-snap, communication, being in the right spot, reading plays post-snap, all of this stuff is also a credit to coaching. And I think the part that is worth emphasizing is that the stuff that we were not seeing last year, we are seeing this year because they're being coached better. And people will tell you, you don't know what goes on behind closed doors. You don't know how to assess these things properly because you don't know, see the full picture. I believe that it's easier than people think it is to watch an NFL team and say, those guys are being coached well. I, I I just do because I think the stuff that you see, game in and game out, it tends to repeat itself. And they're, they're not they're, they're not teaching them how to like run a drill. You think of coaching as on field, Andrew. A lot of the folks do. It's not necessarily that. It's it's how you prepare them, how you spend time with them in the film room. What are you teaching them? That's going to be usable, digestible on the field. And right, the two right. things that you spend time doing more than anything else in the NFL is communicating what you're doing and how you're doing it and breaking down how the opponent attacks you so that you have a feel in the upcoming game. Like you're not going out there working on your your, your drop step pivots as a, as a DB. Like you know that. This is doctorate school. This is not high school college ball anymore where they're teaching you certain things. There are little things that different franchises do or coaching staffs do, but like this is high level Right. And I think that you can see a clear difference in how they are um, projecting what they see into the yes. eyeballs of their players. That's such a great way to say it. 
And that's yeah. such a great way to say it. And I think you you think about the NFL as a as a sort of closed system. Every team spends roughly the same amount of time from April when these guys come into the organization to now, you have roughly the same number of hours. So how you spend those hours and how effective you are at communicating through that period of time matters. It does matter because you are in competition with other teams. And if the other teams do a better job of teaching their rookies, then by December, they have a better team than you do because you've coached them up better. And I think that's what we're seeing from this Browns rookie class mm-hmm. is that these guys are ready to play. These, these guys have learned over the course of the year and are better now than they were in minicamp. And that is, again, credit to coaching. And it tells you that you don't have to be happy or satisfied with subpar effort or guys that don't know how to line up or where to be. You you can say they should replace these guys and expect that it gets better. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you've had. So why would you go game time? They have flash deals, last-minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view, which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money. Right, It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats, like I said, before you buy them. You buy tickets in a matter of seconds, and they're sent directly to your phone. All right, So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that GameTime app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets. Create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co, but I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Yeah, there are those excuses sitting there for every single team, and you're seeing a lot of them out there pick up and run with them, Right. We talked about last week, the threshold isn't there until you see it. Exactly. You're seeing a lot of teams 
meet that threshold. The Browns are doing everything they can to fight it, and right. push it away. This and is actually, the they're not even they're not even recognizing it. Their yeah, their unifi- their yeah. unification and voice is really special stuff. And again, I just want to remind you to really enjoy what you're what you're sitting and watching right now because it's not commonplace Absolutely. in the NFL. Um, Miles Garrett in the game, highest graded player, pass rush uh, exceptional. Dalvin Tomlinson uh, gets some gets some nice marks there too. But Miles goes eleven pressures and three stop tackles, but he doesn't get a sack. And Kevin Stefanski had a chance to talk about Miles because he's quite clearly frustrated. We highlighted the the uh, specific play where he got his jersey grabbed from behind and, and among many others, right? So uh, I think that Miles, uh, and I said this in the postgame show last night, the Twitch replay, that he's reaching a boiling point. You can, see, you can sense it and you can feel it because these, uh, Kevin's going to give you a quote here where he talks about Miles and he talks about the NFL's, um, not the NFL really, the football world's misconception with sacks. And if you hear Miles on any of the mic'd up things, these guys are chasing sacks. And it's a, and it's um, it's a shame, dude. I, it's a real shame that they feel like they have to chase sacks to get recognition. Yep. And what Kevin's about to say, which we're going to play for you, it 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 really speaks to how this this award should be viewed. So I'm going to play that for you right now, and then we're going to talk about it right after. So uh, let's jump to that quote. And then with Miles, um, I still think you know I don't think he got any calls yesterday. So how frustrating is that? And then just how's he playing overall despite um, not having the sets? Yeah, I mean, he's frustrated. I'm frustrated uh, when, when he's getting held, and, and that's something that we'll continue to talk uh, to the officials about. And, and I understand that that's a tough gig, and, and it, but I do think it's something that we need to make sure that is uh, addressed. You know, with that in mind, uh, the, the way Miles is playing uh, is, is unbelievable. I mean, if I can, I'll, I'll get on the soapbox here for a second. But he's the best player on the best defense in the league right now. And go put the tape on, watch play number four, and watch how he – it's a gain of three, but watch how they try to block him. He won't be denied, gets the guy on the ground. And I think what happens with, with our game, we get so wrapped up in sacks. He makes a play on a crack toss late in the game for, that loses six yards. Uh, and if it's a sack, it, it, you know, people think it's, it adds to the statistics or whatever. He, he's dominant. Uh, as a defensive player. So he's a defensive player of the year. I don't think it's close. Um, And and he's going to finish strong for this football team. But to get so wrapped up as we do as a uh, football society when it comes to sacks, I mean, just talk about the guy that that affects the game, that pressures the quarterback, that plays the run, that that plays with unbelievable effort. Uh, I don't know know that there's anybody in the same same, uh, realm as him. So, Andrew, I just... Really enjoy, first of all, him getting on a soapbox and talking about the, one of the best players in football and really taking a stand for him in that moment, right? That's not something Kevin usually does. He's very much the team, the team, the team. But at times you have to recognize the special people you have. He did that with David in the locker room, very public yeah. about that. And he's doing it here with Miles. And the quote, the part of the quote that stands up with me, he says, I think what happens with our game is we get so wrapped up in sacks. He makes a play on a, cr- a crack toss late in the game that loses six yards, and if it's a sack, people think it adds to the statistics or whatever. He's a dominant defensive player, and so he's the best uh, defensive player of the year. Like, we get so hooked on something that, 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 you know, so often these guys rushing the passer don't control, which is the quarterback flipping it away or doing whatever. And it's like, I've been trying to, and I know a lot, there are a lot of smart people who do this, to remind you that pressures, it's not even that pressures are the end-all, be-all. It's how much teams have to prepare for a single player, 
how they're going to block him, how they're going to tilt protection, how many bodies they're going to commit to him. Are they running his direction? Are they throwing away from his direction? Oh, we can't throw a quick screen to the left because Miles is going to knock that down. We can't do it. That stuff is a, a large part of what wins and loses games before the game is even played. And that's never talked about. And I feel really bad when you when you sit there and watch these uh, all-access things they do, right? Uh, there's quite a few of them. Miles was even mic'd up last week. Where, And I'm, I'm sure if you saw it, Andrew, but he's like, he gets the sack on the two-point conversion play, and like he's, he's actually sad. He's sad about it because it doesn't count toward his sack total. Right. And the only Which, way we recognize... Why does it, by the way? I know it's so dumb. It's like, and it's, it's amazing to me though, that this is how they do it. You hear these all the time throughout the year where they'll come up that that was mine. That's my sack because unfortunately that's how we pay defensive players or we view their tier or their standard, right? Is if they get the right number of sacks to win an award or the right number of sacks to get the contract. And I just wish, and Kevin's kind of echoing this right here in such a great way that that wasn't the case. There's so much more to a player like Miles Garrett that changes the dynamic of the game before the game has even been played. And he's doing that. I know the sack number still says 13, but I would I would really like someone to show me a better player uh, on the defensive side of the football this year. I, I just would. I think he's uh, he's the best player on the league's best defense. And I think that matters. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's notable that Stefanski sort of went to the mat for him in a way that he has not publicly before, which I think speaks to your point from the Twitch show last night about his sort of reaching a boiling point, because I think part of the frustration you're talking about when you're talking about chasing sacks is if they're going to hold me every time, then I'm not going to get the stats that I need to do the things that I want to do to accomplish my goals. And so it becomes this cycle. Yeah. And at least throw flags. (laughs) Like, right. at least let, let us get rewarded as a team, right? Right, exactly. If you can't get the sack, at least draw the penalty that ends the drive. Often holding calls will end the end a drive because yeah. first and 20, second and 20 is is borderline insurmountable against a good defense. So there, there's a level of this, which is you're absolutely right about the frustration that Miles is feeling and where he's trying to get. And I, obviously Kevin is completely correct that nobody changes a game plan and, and an offensive approach like Miles Garrett, then there's also the level of it's, I am heartened to see Kevin Stefanski being more comfortable in the public space of taking a stance, because I think he has often eschewed making sort of proclamations through the media. He has mm-hmm. often decline to make those statements and i understand why but part of what i have been interested to see this year with stefanski is the way that his demeanor has changed yeah i was just gonna say that that's so true as they have had success in these unexpected ways he is embracing the swagger that the defense plays with in a way that has informed his personality and it's it's i think it has helped him immensely and i i wonder jake how much of that comes down to having I mean, Jim Schwartz was a head coach for a while. He knows that life as well as anybody. And prior to Schwartz's arrival, really, Bill Callahan was a head coach briefly. That was probably 
that and some of the guys that he knew in Minnesota were probably the guys that he was going to for advice on how to handle these sorts of situations. I think Schwartz has a different playbook. We all remember the Jim Harbaugh, Jim Schwartz handshake uh, that got out of control uh, <laughs> way back when, when it was, uh, what, 49ers Lions back in the day? Oh, yeah. I, 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 Stefanski's different in public and on the sideline than he has been previously. I never went in for the emotionless criticisms or the, you know, the fact that he speaks like people would say that he's robotic in the press conferences. I, I would never take it that far, but I do think he has been more definitive in, in the way that he speaks. The clips that you see from these victory speeches, he's dropping f bombs every third word like a sailor. Man, it's it's he a, ne- it feels he never different. used to do that. It feels yeah. different, right? Yeah, and I think P- people like it because it it you know it comes from emotion. I mean, even Belichick has emotion. The guys who are the most robotic at this, it's going to happen, right? As you as you you get more and more proud of your guys, and I think that's what's happened. Kevin has gotten so proud of this group, he's living through them. And like, that's a huge part of the emotional toll. And to your, to your point there a second ago, like sometimes I'm hearing him say things this late portion of the year that I'm like, is that Kevin? Like, is he saying that because he's opening up a little bit here and maybe it's because he's starting to feel some comfort about, I'm going to be here for a while and all that comes with that and, and, and tied to the success they're having too, like you said, but I like this version of Kevin Stefanski quite a bit, a great mixture of the. Uh, you know, keeping everything emotionally in check, but at the right time, letting it go. And I think he's figuring out the right time. And that's a part of growing as a head coach too. So, yeah, that's a um, great point. And and I, I just think it's, it's heartening to see him taking, going to the mat for the best player, the best defensive player in the league on the best defense in the league. The way he said it too, is just awesome. Because you should. <laughs> right. That's right. You know, when right. you get the special players, you want them to know that your organization thinks you're special and you're worth going to bat for and that that probably went a long way for miles to hear that so and i hope it helps with some of the frustration and pressure he's feeling in these games like i hope it releases that pressure a little bit because the last thing you want is that boiling point to be reached in a game not to say that it would be a repeat of what happened with mason rudolph a few years ago but you understand that it, yeah. he gets into a ref's face and is screaming at him and gets right. Friendly. Yeah, he gets run from a game could cost yeah. him. It, 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 it's not at the foremost of my mind, but I think addressing this does go a little bit towards helping. Yeah. When I saw him on that play, getting grabbed from behind, rip the chin strap off and go yelling at the official. I'm like, he's reaching a boiling point. That's so exactly right. Let's hope it turns in the, in a positive way, even though it's going to be really weird. You know, we're talking about as we close here and do, it's going to be, uh, you know, tough here. Can they do it on the road? That's the big question. It's looming. They have four or five losses on the road this year. The defense in those four losses have not played very well. So let's see if they can do it on the road. The Texans scheme it up. Well, I know the Texans are shorthanded some important parts of their offense. Uh, CJ will be back and uh, probably, uh, I think Nico will be back too. We'll see, but part of who they were when they were special or missing, but they still, they scheme it up and they find a way to get it done. So big challenge in front of the Browns defense. It's going to be really weird rooting against CJ Stroud, a guy that I think <laughs> a guy that I like more than any other quarterback going right now. That's not in a orange and Brown helmet. So uh, we need CJ to be offered. If you wanted to sit out one more week, I mean, you know, yeah. you see case Keenum, you can see the yeah. old friend, right? Yeah. Seven and one at home versus two and four on the road. And so much of that does come down to the defense. If you think back on those games, obviously that they, they just had that two game road trip a few weeks ago. That was that was largely on the defense. The 
the game against Seattle, the game against Pittsburgh, those were closer games. You, you, the defense played well in that game week two in Pittsburgh, but mm-hmm. obviously the offense turned it over a ton, and we know kind of where the Pittsburgh offense is and the ranking of offenses. The Texans are certainly better than that. So it's a big challenge. I also think it's an opportunity. The, the defense now has had a few weeks to sit with what they failed to do over that two-game stretch in Denver and L.A. So this is a great sort of bounce-back opportunity for them to prove that that was more of a fluke rather than who they are. And I think it would go a long way towards dispelling that, which then puts you in good shape for the last game of the year where you might have to go to Cincinnati and win. You, d- you don't know yet. You don't know for sure. So I-, I think it's an opportunity for the defense to kind of put things right. And I hope that they take it that way with a sort of chip on their shoulder to go into Houston and prove a point and and shut down what has been a really impressive Houston offense. Last time Stroud was on the field, the Jets gave him hell. Now, that was in New York. That wasn't in their environment, wasn't in their dome. But the confidence here for, for CJ, two weeks, three weeks out from playing well, it's going to be interesting. I'm just saying, get to 10-5, and five, Andrew, come home for that Thursday night home game, last home yep. game of the year. Yeah, I'm just saying, man, could yep. be a really crazy environment and a chance to clinch. They could be right there to get to 11 wins and a chance to clinch yourself a playoff spot. It's in play. Right? Yeah. I, I, and I think they, it would be, we talked about Stefanski coach of the year. The, the Browns have continued all season to fly completely under the radar nationally. It's starting to change coming home 10 and five clinching and putting on a performance against a Jets team that's been eliminated would actually go a long way towards changing that down the stretch here. I know that they are not mostly interested in national media adoration, but it does matter. It's goes. It's like the Miles thing we just talked about. If he wants to win Defensive Player of the Year, go get three sacks on Trevor Frigg and Simeon yep. on a Thursday night when everybody's watching because it's the 28th of December and nobody else has anything else to do. Everybody in, in the world that cares about the NFL will be watching that football game. Yep. It's a ho- it's the holiday season. It's a it's a New York franchise. Miles Garrett has two and a half sacks and a and a strip uh, a fumble force fumble against Trevor Simeon. He can he can go ahead and make those plans to go collect that award in Vegas. Three games to still make his case, and and I I think we're really excited about this opportunity in Houston. What what they can do with it and what it, can, what it can do for their playoff chances and and what the people believe if this is a real team or not because there's still a lot of people who are still so dismissive and i understand the nature of being dismissive given the 25 percent of the salary cap on you know out of the game injured all that i get it i totally do but there is still a legitimacy to what they're doing a very real one and i think they can use that in their favor to sneak up on some people too you know because i think some teams are like well you get the browns in the playoffs that's an auto win or any of these games they're thinking you know look at how the bears people perceive this game they thought that was a win they were locked in on that being a win and it didn't yep. happen for them so i'm really excited for this team man and, and and really excited for the opportunity they have uh, they have this weekend we'll get you prepared for all of that we'll we'll talk a little bit more about this bears win in the next couple pods but then we'll get you really prepared for the challenges coming with the texans and how the Browns can meet those challenges and get a road win that they really need, especially with the the likelihood of being on the road in a playoff game. They could really use some road confidence here. So excited about it. We'll cover all of it for you. Continue to do so here at the OBR. Thanks for rating and reviewing the podcast. You guys have been doing that like crazy. If you listen to the pod religiously, take the time to review it. That would, it would uh, be a great favor in return for, uh, you know, the shows that we, that we're able to put out because it helps people find it. So 
Thanks for doing that. Visit the OBR daily for all your Browns needs. We'll be back with you. Uh, I'll be solo on your, on your Tuesday pod. It'll arrive Tuesday sometime in the morning for the comprehensive breakdown. So keep your eye out for that. Thanks to Andrew for being here. And thanks to you guys for making this podcast a part of your day. We close with the usual go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why, what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.